You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by Carlos Rovira from Miami, who is buying up commercial buildings in Kansas City. Carlos, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, glad to have you on. What's up, Sterling? Uh, Happy to be here. Appreciate it. Carlos, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background story, uh, what you did before real estate and how you got involved in real estate and what you're doing today? Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, well, I grew up in Miami. I was born here, traditional Cuban Cuban immigrant family. Um, went to Catholic school my entire life. Uh, graduated from University of Miami with a software engineering degree. Immediately went, immediately went into working in tech. Got a job at Yahoo. And I uh, worked there for nine years. Uh, throughout that nine-year period, uh, this was 2008. So, you know, at that point, you know, the economy was pretty bad. Real estate was pretty bad. Um, you know, the, the, the environment was overall just not, not good. Uh, so I entered the workforce during that, that time as a young, young and energetic college grad. Um, quickly realized how, how unsteady uh, my quote-unquote steady job was, uh, <laughs> you know, as you know, the, the economy and the world is sort of falling apart uh, around me. I feel you. I graduated from college in 2008 and became a financial advisor. So, Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> shit. You're worse off than I was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thankfully, I never lost my job. I, I, everyone else, it seems like everyone else around me got laid off throughout the nine year period. Um, I must have done something right. But, you know, I, I was able to, to keep my job there, but it did kind of open up my eyes to what uh, real wealth and real freedom really are. Um, and that sort of set off a journey into just reading a whole bunch of books. I ended up reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like everybody else. Um, and that led me down a rabbit hole that allowed me to discover real estate and the, the power of, of owning income producing property. Uh, so I bought a duplex as my first property. It was a, it was a classic house hack. It was before the house hacking was coined. Um, basically, we lived on one side and then we rented out the other. Uh, that was me and my wife when we first got married. And it was great because we were able to just save a lot of money. You know, your, your next door neighbor is paying your mortgage, uh, which is essentially everybody's largest expense. Uh, it's really easy to save money. And we're very frugal. We're very, you know, financially savvy people. So we were able to very quickly, you know, ramp up what ended up being a very, very fruitful uh, real estate investing uh, portfolio. I mean, we bought duplexes and more duplexes. And we got to a point where we, we owned, I think it was like four duplexes in Miami over the course of, took a while, took like maybe five years to, to get to that point. And um, suddenly the market kind of turned on us, right? Like economy came back and real estate came back, everything came back and things got expensive. Your $150,000 duplexes were all of a sudden worth five, 500 grand overnight. Three, 395 is what I paid and it sold two months ago for almost a million bucks. Crazy, <laughs> crazy, just crazy. Um, but anyways, yeah, the, the market just kind of turned and it became difficult to find cash flowing properties, um, especially it, it, within the kind of like the cadence that we were in, which was, you know, we had our W-2 jobs, we had our salaries and we had the cash flows from the existing property. We were just kind of allowing that to snowball and grow the portfolio. And it got kind of difficult to find deals. And um, when that happens, you start to kind of look at how much your, your portfolio has appreciated and you realize how much cash flow you're getting. You do that return on equity 
calculation versus cash on cash return, which is how much money am I making based on the cash I put in? It's how much money am I making based on what my property's worth? And if the property's gone up yeah. in value, uh, you can pretty much cash out and reinvest and, and multiply your cash flow, right? So we started to do that. We started selling uh, the duplexes and um, buying properties in Kansas City, Missouri. So through a, a series of referrals, I ended up uh, buying into a couple of turnkey houses in uh, in Kansas City. And back then, I mean, this is 2016, uh, 17, you could still buy a house for a hundred grand uh, and rent it for a thousand bucks a month in, in Kansas City. Uh, so imagine, you know, these four duplexes that are, worth upwards of four or $500,000, we can trade them and buy four or five houses per duplex or six houses per duplex. Um, so we started doing that. We got into like this kind of like rollover uh, strategy where we were just buying single family homes and building up this portfolio in, in the Midwest, just so random. I mean, we just, I had never been there. Um, and I actually didn't go, I didn't finally go there until like I had probably six or seven houses in, nice. in Kansas City, which is just crazy. I mean, I think back at that, it's ridiculous. Now I go all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it it got to a point where the portfolio got large enough where uh, I think we were like at 16, 17 houses. And the property manager that we had started to kind of fumble a little bit. And then COVID hit. And with COVID, you know, everybody... It, it, there was so much uncertainty in real estate. People didn't know if your tenants were going to pay. They did moratoriums on uh, evictions. It was all just all this uncertainty. And I think deals kind of dried up. Uh, so the turnkey providers that were offering property management as well uh, couldn't keep up because they just couldn't find deals because no, no one was selling, right? If everybody's staying at home and not, not leaving their house because there's a pandemic, uh, nobody's selling houses. So that's where we started to kind of see that supply constraint that we kind of still see now. Um, Anyways, the property management side of things started to kind of fail. And I, I made an executive decision in 2020, like the middle of the pandemic, to just assume management of this portfolio that so I had never done before. Yeah, so that's out of the country, right. Um, and I really, really didn't have like systems in place or anything, but I, the, the, the property management had been failing so much that I just wasn't cash flowing, right? Like there were all these repairs, all those maintenance issues, vacancies, tenants would leave. Um, you know, they would put tenants in and then a month later, the tenant would just up and leave. So it, it was just really weird. So I took over management and basically accidentally fell into the property management business. I mean, I had to create a property management uh, solution to my own portfolio. So I created a property management company that was essentially created just to service my own portfolio. Um, but as I did more and more of it, I realized that I was actually pretty good at property management. Uh, so I started to take on more clients, figured the management income is actually pretty good. Um, I already have the systems in place. Is, and the, is the management income good? I was always told it was tight margins. It's pretty tight margins. Um, I always tell people you're never going to get rich off of property management, but you'll get you'll make a good living out of it. You can make a decent living out of it if you make that your main business and you do it well and you run it efficiently. For me, it doesn't matter because I'm on. I'm playing the long game. I'm buying real estate and owning it, so I get income from the cash flows. And then I just see the property management as just a machine that I'm building. That eventually I can build myself out of it and just hire people to to run it and then oversee it myself. 
Um, but it, you know, I became good at it and people just started asking me to manage their properties. So that worked out. I just kind of ran, ran with it. And uh, before I knew it, I, you know, I, I had a property management business and it was good income, kept me busy, uh, throughout the pandemic when everybody was at home, you know, I was doing stuff and, um, yeah, so that was, that was good. And then, and then I was introduced to, uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago. My friend, a friend of mine introduced me to his son-in-law who had moved to Kansas city. So he's a Miami guy who moved to Kansas city, uh, with his wife who was doing her PhD there. It's my, my, my partner, who's now my partner. His name is Alfredo. I was introduced to this guy named Alfredo who had moved to my, who moved to Kansas city and was really into real estate. Um, and because I was in Kansas city investing, uh, our friend Vladimir, um, introduced me to him and told him, look, you got to meet Alfredo because he's in, you know, he's in Kansas city. He loves it. He's trying to get into real estate. So I met Alfredo. We hit it off. Um, he was working at the time at the university in, uh, in Missouri. I think it was UMKC university of Kansas, Missouri. I think it is. And he was raising money for the university. That was his job. He was a fundraiser. Uh, so, and he had done kind of like his PhD and, and dissertation on re- real estate development. He was like really into it. I told him, look, man, you're, you're good at raising money. Uh, I know how to buy property and manage it. Why don't we join forces and start buying bigger deals? Start just raising money from investors. He was like, hell yeah. So that was about a year and a half ago. We got together. And since then, we bought three buildings, uh, two office buildings, and uh, kind of like a retail slash office building. And they're all value add uh, properties, which we can get into. And we've just been... We've been doing that. We, you know, we were, we're hoping to do a, a couple more deals this year um, and just build up the portfolio and just build up this, this nice portfolio of commercial properties and you know, maybe just turn around and sell it one day to one of these big hedge funds. Uh, but yeah, it's been good. It's been good so far. Awesome. So I'm assuming you quit your day job somewhere along that story. Yeah, it was 2016. I mean, after like the sixth house, the sixth or seventh rental property, you know, the cash flow was enough to just replace my income. So. Nice. We moved on. And and when you leave your job, it's it's always hard to leave your W-2 job because you kind of have like that fake sense of security of the paycheck, you know, hitting every two weeks. Uh, but it, it isn't until you leave your full-time job where you realize that all of a sudden opportunities to start coming to you that wouldn't otherwise have come to you just because your mind is just completely free of that like eight-hour work day that you have to do. Um, just all of a sudden opportunities come. And you get used to not having the paycheck. In fact, you end up making a lot more money than just having that paycheck. So uh, yeah, 2016 is when I finally left the job. Awesome, awesome. So tell us a little bit about um, your uh, office buildings how, or how you're structuring these deals. You, you mentioned raising capital um, and you mentioned one day selling. So you know, typically, you know, I have a similar business model with apartments where we raise capital and buy apartment complexes. But typically, we have like a you know a, a shorter business plan, like a five year or seven year hold, and then we're going to sell it to give all our our you know all the money back to the investors. What is your business model around the uh, around your buildings? Uh, so yeah, so we raise money from you know family and friends, really um, people we know that, you know, want to get into real estate and yeah, we put, we put together the deals, we, we structure them so that the, uh, the equity investors, the guys that put the money in get a preferred return and, um, and then we don't get paid until that preferred return gets, gets met. And, uh, and then there's a 50, 50 split after that. Cool. Um, 
the office building, one of them was one of them was actually pretty interesting. Uh, it was a completely vacant, just derelict building. Like there were crackheads and you know, they were shooting pornography and there were prostitutes in the, out of this building. It was ridiculous. Um, we bought it for, so, I mean, it was so cheap. It's a, it was a 20, I think it's 24,000 square feet. And we bought, we bought it for $350,000. Nothing. I mean, I can't even buy a house in Miami for less than a million. Uh, this huge office building. Uh, but it was completely, pretty much vacant. And it was just full of trash, full of strange people. So we vacated it and we've, fixed it up. I mean, we, we just finished, we just got our third tenant. I think today is she's signing the lease. Um, but we did a, we did a complete just renovation of the entire building. So we bought it for 350 and put another 350 into it, uh, of work. So we're in for about 700 grand, uh, this, this building. And it's just been crazy. Like the, the before and after I took, I looked at the before and after pictures and it's just a complete transformation. Um, and it was really scary too, because it's during a pandemic where the perception is that everybody's, everybody's working, working from, from home. home. I, yeah, I you might you might have been the only guy buying office space I, I in America think so. in 2020. I think so. <laughs> um, it was pretty scary. Um, you know what we the the reasoning we had was these are small offices, right? So they're not like big class A you know office spaces. If there is a rebound in office real estate, which there there is, I mean, we're already mm-hmm. seeing it and it's sure. and it will get better. It will be in smaller spaces. You're gonna have people who are working from home, the lawyer, the accountant, you know, these types of professionals that realistically can't really work from home full time. Um, yeah. they have to meet clients, they have to have a presence. Uh, they're gonna need office space. Uh, so if we if we're able to position ourselves to offer these small, you know, office executive office suite type uh, rentals, we'll always have demand. Now, if it were these huge, it, it, I, I would never purchase like a huge skyscraper in New York City, even though there's big companies that are doing it. I mean, I think the Chrysler Building just sold, or one of these big buildings just sold, um, because the bigger companies like the Googles and the Facebooks and the, these types of companies that had huge office footprints are probably in a position right now where they're downsizing those those footprints and creating these like hybrid work from home models. So that's not the type of product we wanted to go after. It was the smaller office suite product where we cater to small businesses. And that I think is something that will always be in demand. Uh, the biggest challenge has definitely been leasing. I mean, we've had to hustle so hard to lease uh, our buildings. Um, the first one we bought was I think, 30% vacant, uh, 30% vacant. So it was 70% occupied. And I think we have it at like 85% today, um, just hustling. And, and we should have it at hundred percent by the end of the year. And the, the, the one that was completely vacant, I mean, we've got three tenants. They got, I think there's 21 units in that property. And in the past month and a half that we finished the renovations, we've got three tenants. So, I mean, it's, we're, we're getting tenants, we're getting people in there. It, that's definitely been the biggest challenge is marketing and cold calling and following up. And, I mean, my partner, partner, Alfredo, he's the one, he lives in Kansas city. He's the one basically doing all the leasing. Um, and he's a machine. I mean, he it's borderline harassment. What Alfredo does to these tenants, like he'll call them every day, every lead he gets, he calls them nonstop until he gets them to, to answer. And it's, it's paying off. 
but that's definitely been the biggest challenge is the demand the demand is low and it's it'll probably be low for a while but we're making it work awesome yeah so how do you determine you know what is a good what is a good office space like how do you like we like we know how to i know how to underwrite like single family houses right you know or or like an apartment complex how do you how do you determine if an office space is if it's good how do you know what market rents are how do you know what demand's going to be how do you decide what what's worth buying office is very boring like <laughs> residential you have like a nice kitchen with a countertop an office is literally just walls carpet mm-hmm. and walls doors um what determines good office space is really the the in my opinion is probably the location so if you're if you're near somewhere that is more commercial and then price i mean we the way we're doing it is that we're we're the cheapest building i mean if we bought this building for three hundred fifty thousand, we're in a position where we can offer significantly lower uh rents than the rest of the market and i think it, in that area which is independence missouri i think market rent is like 13 14 bucks a foot uh we're offering our building at ten dollars a foot so we're the cheapest building in the city um, and we were able to offer that low rent because we bought we got in at a very low price point you're so the, the, the you're the low cost competitor we're the cheap we're the cheap the cheap uh, yeah we're the low cost competitor and we we can be because we paid almost nothing for the building uh, so that that's that's kind of what sold us on that is okay you know worst case scenario uh to break even we would have to get the building to like 40 percent occupancy um, that's relatively you know, realistic. And if I'm buying a building for 350,000, I mean, I could literally board it up and sit on it for five years and do nothing to it. And the thing is still going to be worth more five years from now, uh, provided I can carry it. So, you know, it seemed as scary as it was to take on like a renovation project in office during a pandemic, the fundamentals were, were a no brainer. I mean, it's real estate. It's a, it's a basically a, a building is, is a bunch of different materials it's a diversified portfolio of commodities right you have copper you have concrete you have wood i mean lumber prices are skyrocketing or have skyrocketed so really for three hundred fifty thousand, i can literally scrap the building and sell the scraps and i can probably make my money back so that you know that was the selling point on that building but yeah i mean the execution of it has been pretty pretty hardcore uh because it's office and it's boring right yeah you know it's it's not that exciting to rent office What's cool is the the tenants are more interesting, right? Because like in residential, you have just residential tenants, just people that are there. In office, you get to meet all sorts of like business owners and people doing pretty cool things, right? There, there are a lot. It's a more diverse uh, client base, and there's a lot of synergies with uh, with different types of tenants, right? So you have like we have one uh, building that has like the uh, the food stamp office it's like family family services office and they do a lot of drug testing for people well we have we also down the hall have a drug testing lab in the building that feeds that gets a lot of a lot of business from the family services department so you can kind of create like this kind of like dynamic sticky, between the sticky environment. yeah right 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 you can have multiple tenants so the, the lab we're actually trying to get them in on our in our other building to open up another location uh so there's there's ways you can really like cross market and get the same tenants to you know feed within your ecosystem. So it's, it's been cool. It's been interesting. It's a learning experience. Awesome. So what's next for y'all? 
Good question, man. I mean, uh, lately the property management business has been has been keeping me busy. I just picked up 36 units uh, from a friend of mine uh, who bought off of West Palm Beach, and that's kind of keeping me busy. I just kind of take it as it comes as it comes. I mean, if I'm if I'm being sent property management business, I'll take it, provided I could I could uh, I could carry it. Uh, in terms of acquisitions, we're we're actively looking for more buildings uh, within the same kind of asset class. Now that we're getting good at office, you know, we'll try, we'll do as much as we can without cannibalizing ourselves. Uh, but our, our challenge has been finding deals. I mean, just things are, things have gotten expensive. Inflation, inflation has been bad, causing things to get more expensive. And then rates going up has been a little bit of a, of a weird, uh, of a weird dynamic. Like I mentioned before the call, I, I just canceled two deals that we had on contract. It's been tough, it's been tough to find deals. Yeah. Uh, but they'll come. I mean, eventually the, the deals come. So yeah, we're in a weird we're in a weird time right now where the inflation's still running, but then the interest rates are up, right? Like you think that that like like in in economic theory they would cancel each other out and it would push down the prices, but the the prices just keep going up with the rates. You know, for in this window that we're in. Yeah. Well, and remember, there's the third variable, which is the amount of liquidity that the that the right. government has shoved into the system. Uh, which is essentially, you know, creating high demand. So yeah, I don't know what to think. Uh, yeah, you'd think that rising rates would cause some sort of softening of the market. It'll probably be like a delayed reaction. Sure, sure. Because I mean, we're fresh off of the new the new rates, uh, but hopefully that'll that'll open up some opportunities and maybe uh, push some people out of the market and bring some more deals to to us. So what what advice do you have for somebody that's just getting started in real estate real estate in today's market? buy a duplex live in one half and rent out the other i mean you can still even if it's expensive if even if it's expensive you still have to buy a house so you're going to either overpay for a house or you're going to overpay for a duplex and have somebody rent half of it and give you money every month so i mean things aren't that expensive where it becomes impossible to carry if you use it as your primary residence and that opens up doors i mean one you're saving money because you're not paying a mortgage and two it gets your your feet wet in terms of property management. You have to learn how to manage a tenant. You, know, how to, you have to learn how to lease. You have to learn how to carry property. And then that opens up more opportunities. I, I can't think of any better way to get in if you're starting out and, and you know, and you're young and you don't have that much cash. So. Absolutely. I tell every young person to meet that. I, uh, I always say I, I, I would have done it. My, uh, my wife and I bought our first house and then I found out about house hacking like two weeks later. And if I would have found out about it like a month earlier, we'd have been in a duplex, but there was no way I was getting her to move out of that new house into the side of a duplex. It took me a little bit to convince my wife to go after a duplex instead of a house because we went, we were engaged and we were getting married. You know, what you yeah. typically do as an engaged couple is go look for a house and have this yeah. crazy idea to buy a duplex in the middle of a major real estate recession. Um, but it worked out. She came yeah. around and, and it worked out. It took it took many years for uh, me to push my real estate dream on my wife. <laughs> She's finally starting to come around. Um, real quick, I want to hop to our radio round. Uh, just three quick questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? That's a tough question because I feel like books hit you at different points in your life. Yeah. So, like, I can't really pick a favorite. Um, I could go cliche and say Rich Dad Poor Dad, but I wouldn't say Rich Dad Poor Dad is really a major part of my life right now. It made a huge impact when I was 22 getting into right. real estate and it 
led me down the path. Um, but different books hit you at different times. Like right now I'm sort of in a kind of like a mindset book, uh, bender, I guess, if you will, because as my business grows, there's all these like mental hurdles that you sort of have to, to go through. Uh, so I've been reading a lot of mindset books. I read this crazy book called uh, Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza, which gets like crazy into mindset stuff. Right now I'm reading 5 a.m. Club by Robin, Robin Sharma, what is a really good mindset book. Um, so I don't know. I can't really answer the question with one book. I just my, my answer is that it depends on, the, on what stage of life I'm in. Yeah, 100%. So. No, definitely a great answer. The next one is, what's your favorite quote? I can't remember who said this, but it's, buy, uh, don't don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. Yep. Um, I hear so many people all the time tell me, look, oh, I, have, I want to invest in real estate and I have cash, right. but I'm waiting. I'm waiting because I think the market's going to go down. It's like, in, 27, in 2017, everybody told me, not to start buying real estate then because we were at the top and it was about to crash any day now and I should wait. And uh, thank God I didn't obviously, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, that, the, that's, that's five years ago. <laughs> right. I mean, real estate, the, the, the real power of wealth building in real estate is realized over the long term, right? Yeah. Uh, the those longer first, you hold it, the better off you are. Those so first the sooner you can I buy bought it. In, those first houses I bought in 2018, I, I didn't know how to put a doorknob on back then. So I didn't fix them up. They were in terrible areas. That was just all I could afford back then. And they have since doubled. Yeah. And some would say, okay, you rode a wave, right? Things just got crazy. The market increased, but it doesn't matter because had you, let's say you sold now, you'd have made, you know, made good, but you could still hold those for 30 years and have cash flow for the rest of your life. So the longer you hold it, the better. So why wait when you can buy now? You buy now, you buy right, and you can carry it. Even if you overpay a little bit, as long as you can carry it, I don't think you'll ever regret ever having purchased any piece of real estate. So, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Uh, I used to like to travel a lot. COVID was made that difficult. We need to get back into it. We used to travel all the time. Um, I like cycling. I, I ride bikes, uh, going out to restaurants, <laughs> hanging out with friends. Uh, reading and read a lot so my, my wife says that counts towards work if you're reading a, like a, a self-help or you know some type of personal development or business book she said that counts as work yeah well it's <laughs> funny you should mention that because i i made the the decision this year to read more fiction yeah because man i was reading so many business books and so many self-help so many mindset books that i was just like it was overload and my mind was going everywhere. So I decided to give myself a break and uh, pick up some, some, uh, some fiction books to give my, give myself a break, read something that doesn't require me to think too, too heavily. Awesome. How can our listeners find out more about you, get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. The, uh, the Instagram name is the Carlos Rovira. Yes, I had to add a V, the in front of it. I always it. wonder about, you know, someone else. The, the official, like official yeah. Sterling Chapman. I didn't know there was an yeah. official Sterling Chapman. Right. So there's another Carlos Rivera out there that took the name. So I'm the Carlos Rivera. You can find me on Twitter also, same name, the Carlos Rivera. Those are the two. I try to post every so often. I'm not, I'm not too consistent about it, but if you reach out to me on those platforms, I should be able to respond relatively quickly. Well, Carlos, thanks for... Uh, 
thanks for joining the show. I, uh, I really appreciated the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better and uh, hopefully we can hang out in the future at a GoBundance event. Totally. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having on. We uh, look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.